Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. My white friends cannot understand why when watching athletics, I, I go, look at the black, you know, I'm cheering for the black person. And one of my friends said to me once, that's ridiculous. Why would you cheer because somebody's black? And I said, because you know the white guy running next to him? And she was like, yeah, I went, didn't struggle like that guy struggled to get there. That's why. Because I look and go, oh, I can I can relate to that. If all our young children, you know, if all any of us, it's not even about children, if all any of us ever see is white people in these places, what does that say to us? It says that that place is not a place for you. There's no room for you in the boardroom. You know, there's no room for you in these places because you don't look like those people. And that's that's the fundamentals of change. You know, my daughter growing up thinking I can't be a princess because princesses are white. You are listening to the Dope Black Moms podcast. I am delighted to be joined by Grace, Toby and Caroline Bain. Grace leads a registered charity called the Open Minds Project, a charity seeking to advance the education of black people through books. And Carolyn, founder of Afrori Books, the biggest selection of books by black authors in the UK. Welcome to the podcast. Great to have you both here in my kitchen in Hackney. <laughs> Good to be here. Good to be here, thank you. Welcome, Grace. So I wanted to start with the basics. Grace, what led you to start the Open Minds Project? Two things basically led me to start the charity. And it was the first was um, the fact that um, as someone who didn't grow up in England and came to England as an adult, I had heard so many sweeping um, stereotypical views about black people and their lives and their culture and history. And, um, and I was keen to do something about it. And um, the second reason was because um, I, I, I had seen and heard of a lot of charities that were working with people, victims of racism. Um, and um, But I hadn't seen or heard of any that was keen to educate the rest of the public and everyone else about black lives and black people and minoritized cultures, such that these acts of racism were, were less out of ignorance and more out of you know intended violence or intend, intention to harm. So these are the two main reasons. And um, I think the, the, the Judge Floyd video for me was the last straw that um, pushed me to really take a stand and, and act. It was OK to do that with my close friends and people I was meeting in my, you know, as I lived and settled in England. But um, after the Judge Floyd video, I felt like those two things needed those two gaps and issues needed to be addressed. And, and that was why the Open Minds Project was um, was born to educate people about the lives of black people. And Carolyn, for you, what was the the moment that born Afrori Books? What what led you to start? Giving birth to a child 25 years ago, I think, is the is the point. That I think early. that for me, you know, I've got grown up children and have gone through, you know, what feels like a lifetime of frustration of 
not being able to find books, you know, that looked like my children. One of my friends about three years ago uh, bought my daughter this book of encouragement and spent four days colouring in all the characters brown because she just remembered that my daughter, when she was younger, had said there, was never, there were never any princesses that looked like me. That's ridiculous. How it's outrageous. <laughs> even, even when I say it, I think that's outrageous. So I think, you know, a passion for books has always been my thing. I love books. I'm, I'm, yeah, I just love books. Who, why wouldn't you? Um, so I love books. And, you know, that frustration had always been there. But then what happened is that, you know, when George Floyd was murdered, I'm, I'm seeing again this frustration in other people's surface. And I just, it was the perfect storm. You know, I had been um, sacked by a racist company um, in a blatantly racist action. They literally sacked all the black people within oh. 10 days. Um, and so I was, I was just in this place and I just thought, do you know what, why not? Why, let's just try, let's just see, can we open this bookshop? Can we get a wholesaler to work with us? And it was, you know, lots of things fell into place at the right time. And it was just like, oh, stuff it, let's just do this. There's nothing to lose, you know. And so really just went in thinking, I want to create a better platform for black authors because I knew the books were out there. I knew there were books by black authors because I'd found them over the years. But I just, it, you know, the more I looked, the more I realised that there was no platform for black authors to actually get their books into shops that, you know, publicists and, and publishers and marketers weren't pushing these books. So I, I initially just thought, hey, let's start a bookshop and let's use social media pages to just give a platform to black authors. And and then it, people were interested, which was, you know, not strange, but a little bit strange. And we just, I thought, I oh, will just start off with 100 books. That'll be all, because I know 100 books off the top of my head. And uh, yeah, and then it just, every time we added a book, we find another 50 books, you know, just, just kept finding them. I mean, even today, there are 400 books upstairs waiting to go into the store. Just, just right, I need to, must get round to adding oh. the next. And every time I think I've got that, that list down, you know, I find another, another literally 20. daily. Yeah, just daily. But isn't know. that brilliant? It's amazing. Isn't that a joy? Doesn't that? I mean, that 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 inspires me. That keeps mm. me going to see that that demand is there, but yeah. that skill is there. That those stories are there. That Absolutely. that's it, right? That yeah. is it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think yeah, for so we went in thinking this is about supporting black authors and we've really push to make sure that maintains that stays as our first passion is that we're here for the authors you know we're we're here so we we have probably at least a couple of times a week we have an, an author on the phone to us having long conversations telling us how hard it is for them you know so sometimes we're just I think sometimes I'm like oh great I'm just a listening board and that's fine you know that's great because again there's no place there's no place for an author you know author's Either a self-published, yeah, Lonely. or if they are if they are signed to a publisher, there's nobody that looks like them. Totally. You know, the recent report from the publishing industry, you know, said that there was eight percent of of black people in the publishing world, which you know you think, well, that's not that far off. But then you remember that ninety percent of publishers are London based, where the population is some. 
40% black as a shocking figure. You know, so as a black author, your publicist, your publisher, your marketer, they're not going to look like you. Your whole space, your whole world daily are not going to yeah. look like yeah. you. And so, I think it's brilliant, the space you're providing. As you know, I'm all for um, <laughs> up for the power of safe spaces. I think it's I think it's beautiful. I think it's great that they have someone to lean on because they need an outlet to be able to express their story as wholeheartedly as they can. They don't yeah. want, well, we don't want them to feel any way to um, filter their story. Yeah, we want absolutely. them to be able to get their story on page exactly as it should. So you're yeah. making this sound all very easy breezy. Got fired from a job, started a bookshop. I mean, were there any... What were there any barriers that you faced? Any issues that you had starting a bookshop? Started a bookshop as a black woman, and and same to to Grace. Any 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 negativity that you got whilst you were starting these movements? I mean, I don't know what you mean. Why, as a black woman starting a business, <laughs> would I face any barriers in this country? I have no idea what you're talking what, about. What do you mean? Does that happen to <laughs> black women? Surely not. Really. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, the thing for, for for me is just like the authors, it's lonely here, you know. That I, there aren't um, there aren't any other black women to kind of go, hey, you run a business, what does it look like for you? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, to be fair, my daughter, who um, she runs our social media, you know, the poor woman has just ended up being my sounding board for everything. So she gets a daily phone call with me going, you're not going to believe this. Um, and sometimes it's good you're not going to believe this and sometimes it's not. I think that just um, in the publishing world, our biggest barrier is that uh, the publishing world and the wholesalers don't recognise and won't categorise black authors. So what, what do you mean won't recognise? So they, so there is no way, you cannot phone, you can't ask any publisher, can you tell me how many black authors are on your books? Right. And they'll say, no, 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 no. And do we, they have other categories? Would you put LGBTQ? Would you have, right? Yes. Okay. So you can, there are LGBTQ. Yeah. Uh, we can even, we can go Asian. Okay. We can ask for European. Okay. Uh, you know, we can ask for foreign language. Right. So you can pick a language and just say, oh, how many French writers, you know, have you got in your books? But the minute you ask how many black authors, no, we don't Silence. We don't categorise um, our authors by their ethnicity. We like, actually, yes, you do. Because, you know, Asian, that's an ethnicity. But anyway. Mm. <laughs> and so what that means is that if I was running... Uh, a bookshop that specialised in uh, LGBTQ, I can say to publishers and to wholesalers, hey, these are the books. So let me know what's in your stock. Uh, let me know when new stuff comes in, uh, et cetera. I can't do that. So every book we find, we find manually. That every is a mission and a half. That <laughs> yes. is a mission and a half. Detective work right there. Yes. Yeah. So and, and it, it's it's a massive slog. It is a yeah. slog. And and sometimes, you know, in in all transparency, sometimes it's really demoralizing because, you know, you, you find out that um, you might have missed a published publishing date. Of course. Because you didn't know that 
of course this person has got a new book coming out know, you know if, no. they, if they've got a new book if they're new to the game and they haven't got support and yeah you know exactly. they're maybe self self-publishing this they don't know the right hashtags exactly. or avenues or that is exactly. heartbreaking so already yeah. you are a minority within a minority missing <laughs> the slim chance that we did have to there get you to go. you to get yeah. any awareness there you go yeah. that is the crux yeah. of it right there isn't it yeah and also, you know, the other, I think the other, my less, you know, is is the constant battle um, just with the general public saying, no, no, black authors write stuff other than um, anti-racist books. Um, there are other books. So, yeah. it, you know, we get people contact us and say, you know, I, I'd like to read a black author, but I only really read crime mystery books. Yeah. Great. Would you like to see our crime mystery section? Yeah. There are over 200 books that? in there. Yeah, yeah. Should yeah. we just, it's that Let's way. Look, yeah. look over there, you, you know. This as well. Yeah, you totally. Romance for you. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So, you know, so that, you know, just constantly pushing that and, and having... That conversation um, gets tiring. Just Yeah, it does a little bit. Yeah. It does a little bit. But then in, you know, in the other breath, I, I'm, I'm, I'm an optimist. And I think that, you know, because of where we are and because of where we sit, we are seeing the positive side a lot. We we get lots of emails from customers saying, this is amazing. Didn't know there was a book like that. Lots of books from parents saying, my daughter um, is just screaming because she's screaming and saying, mum, the girl in the book looks like me. Those you know, are moments and, that you have yeah. to bottle and yeah. hold tight. Yeah. 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 That's and, and our favourite moment, I think, our favourite moment this year was... Um, we put a book in our store called The Grey Storm and uh, we had an email from a guy saying, hi, you know, my name's Lee and um, I'm an author. I wrote a book called The Grey Storm. And so um, I, I was looking for your bookshop and, and found my book. And I just wanted you to know that I wrote that book 20 years ago. Nobody would publish it. So last year I self-published and then nobody would put it in their shop. He said, and I saw it in your shop and I cried. Oh, and I and was just like, want yes. to cry. Yeah. yeah that's why we're me. here. Yes. <laughs> oh, that, that, that does make it all worth it. Saying that, though, I still want to applaud you because it is brave and it is courageous and it does take energy to do this all day, every day. Like, you're really on the court fighting, you know, and it's not easy to do that. And... It is making a difference, but it, but it, it is. I can imagine it takes a lot. You know, I can imagine it. It does take from you. And Grace, what what sort of challenges have you faced when setting up the project? Um, yeah, actually, I, I've I've um I've had my own share, should I say, of um of challenges. Um, and um, I think it's the first was um right from the point of registering a charity. So you'll be shocked if you went through charities commission that um, I, I know for one that in Brighton where I live, there's no black led charity doing what we do. All of them are either social enterprises or just consultants or individuals doing what they can to change society. But ours was the first registered charity, black led, black founded, that was set up in Brighton. I think our challenge started from the huddles and the registration process to be a registered charity. 
I had probably three or four queries from Charities Commission asking me, are you sure this charity's focus is to educate people about black lives? Why black lives? Why not BAME? Why not um, everyone else? You know, why why black people? And I, I felt like saying, surely you've seen the stats. Surely you can see the level of underrepresentation. Like I've got young children and until they start at school, I couldn't believe how little representation were in the books that the teachers were using in school. You know, I've got a, uh, a soon to be eight, soon to be, soon to be six and a soon to be three year old. Um, and yeah. I can assure you, if you look at that box of books, it doesn't re- even reflect the number of children, black children in, in schools. And that for me was shocking. So I went back making several arguments, very clear arguments about why this charity needed to exist, why this charity needed to be able to share books with schools, why this charity needed to um, ensure children are reading story books. Yes, affirmative books have a place, but just story books. Why is it that the teachers, when they're doing their learning planning their, you know, the, the learning plan and the themes for the year or the term, why don't they go out of their way to look for books that actually represent and reflect these children? Story, fun story books. No other ideologies, no other, you know, um, um, theories or principles to be shared, just fun story books, you know. So um, I think that was our first huddle with Charities Commission. I was so pleased when they eventually came back and said, actually, um, you have done your research. There's no other charity with this objective and with this aim in the UK. And so, yes, you can be registered and your registration is approved. So that for me was the biggest huddle. I think the next huddle as well was um, going about and talking to parents groups, sharing with them the stories that I was um, hearing from primary school age children where um, there is, um, I'm not sure how, how, how much you know, but there's um, a general belief that there's no racism in primary education. And um, I, I beg to differ because I have heard stories from my children from other people's children. Because kids exactly, don't see but color. the truth is that That's children see color from a very young age. Um, and I have had my own lived experiences. So, bef- of course they do. From six months, they can understand exactly, identity. exactly. And um, my, with my children, prior to when I started increasing our own personal home stock of books that reflected them, um, my kids would draw pictures, right? Pictures of different scenes of children, and they always shaded them, colored themselves yellow or peach. I can confirm that ever since this became a, a big thing to me, which was like at the start of um, 2020, um, now they color themselves and their friends and everyone has the right shade of color. That for me is like the biggest thing. I picked up the pictures they drew two years ago, picked up the one they did Amazing. this year. And it's just shocking. I almost cried. I couldn't tell them why I, I was so emotional, but just looking at it, there is proof that a child wants to, wants it, to be seen in the books that they read, you know. Um, so for me, that was the next challenge, being able to talk to schools and say, we need to do this. Everybody needs to do this. You need to make that extra effort. Um, um, and so that, that the next challenge we did was trying to raise money to be able to give every school in Brighton and Hove books because we felt they needed to see that these books do exist. So we spend time reviewing books that teach different themes, 
different subject matters and we make sure that those books are in the box of books we give and then we pick a few selections of story fun story books you know that have everyone reflected including black people you know without calling attention to any part of their body but just focusing on these are normal everyday children having fun and experiencing adventures you know um, and so for me that was the next challenge and we're still on it we've not finished um, but every day presents some form of pushback oh this doesn't really need to be in the schools but yes it does it does um, but I love what we do and um, we won't stop until you know we get all these books into schools and keep talking about it absolutely and I, and I again I think it's so brave to keep on talking keep pushing like you're getting pushed back every day like it's um it's exhausting, isn't it? It's exhausting. You know this is right. You've seen firsthand with your children that what this does for a child to be seen, to be recognised, for them to see themselves reflected. You know what it does. And it's, um, it's heartbreaking that you get this pushback and you have to defend what you know to be true so often. And um, again, I just salute you. I think it's, it's, it's important. It's important to keep on doing it. And I just appreciate it's not easy. So... Well done for keeping on fighting the good fight. Um, I'd, yeah. I'd, I mean, I'd point out that on top of that, Grace Grace actually runs a charity. It has a full-time job and three children under 10. So Yeah, all right. <laughs> Don't know how you're here. pretty heroic. <laughs> it is. It, it, it really is. Just stepping up to your, your purpose in life. It's, um, it's beautiful to see. So before this podcast, I was having a look through some statistics which I don't want to say out loud because it's just so so sad and again some of these studies are old but nothing's really changed so according to the the UK studies I was reading just five percent of children's books have black Asian or minority ethnic protagonists children are almost eight times as, as likely to encounter an animal main character than a human main character who isn't white and so actually, Nina, sorry, hmm. that, that stat is actually 15 times. That's ridiculous. So this these stats were 2017, so now 15 times. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it, what can you even say to that? It's just yeah. horrific. You're not even giving, giving us a chance. No. And then the other stat I came across is top 500 adult books published in 2006, revealing only six were written by minority British authors. So goes to your point, Carolyn, of just how difficult it is to be in this pool. And again, being an author, I feel we need to protect them, their their gold. Yeah. Just it, And when we when we look at those when we look at those stats, you know, we're we're seeing um, all minorities pushed in together. Of course. So that doesn't really tell us about black authors. Um, and about what black children see. And I think that, you know, that's one of the things for Grace was that, you know, this push from the Charity Commission to sort of be more, you know, cover all minorities, because that ticks boxes then. Because if you if you say, oh, look, 8%, 8% are minorities, that's, that's that sounds like a reasonable number. But now let's strip that back and let's take out the other minority groups which take up a lot more space, actually, than the black groups, you know. And so it, it, it suddenly it all looks very different all over again. Yeah, that's even more heartbreaking to add that, that layer on. I mean, I think it's fair to say we're all keen 
on diversifying our bookshelf. So why do we need diversity in children's literature? What do you think it means to a child to be seen? I would say that um, I, I am a, a totally non-closet football fan. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I wonder where this is going. Yeah. I, so I think just looking, just looking at the responses of um, of young black children seeing uh, Raheem Sterling and Marcus Rashford get a platform, just a platform. You know, this is before anything else. Marcus Rashford has um, had a book published this year mm. and it's flown. It's flown off the shelves. It's called You Are a Champion. And it's literally just encouraging young children to strive and know that they can be great. And it has flown off the shelves. I've, I've had parents buy it for their, like the whole class. We should, we should. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, the, the just looking at the response, look how black children respond to when something or somebody is like them. You know, we're, we're all women, I'm going to say, over, our, over 30 that is fair to say, absolutely. So I'll go yeah. with that. <laughs> and I would say that for each one of you, forget even a book that you can remember the time when you saw someone on television that looked like you. Totally. Lisa Bonet right. in The Cosby Show. Absolutely. There you go. Yeah. So we the, these are massive moments for us. They're, they're like, oh, she's like me. You know, my white friends cannot understand why when watching athletics... I, I go, look at the black, you know, I'm cheering for the black person because, and one of my friends said to me once, that's ridiculous. Why would you cheer because somebody's black? And I said, because you know, the white guy running next to him. And she was like, yeah, I went, didn't struggle like that guy. I struggled to get there. That's why, because I look and go, oh, I can, I can relate to that. I know that that's going to have been a struggle for you. So, you know, if our, if all our young children you know, if all any of us, it's not even about children, if all any of us ever see is white people in these places, what does that say to us? It says that that place is not a place for you, okay? There's no room for you in the boardroom, you know, there's no room for you in these places because you don't look like those people. And that's that's the fundamentals of change. You know, my daughter growing up thinking... I can't be a princess because princesses are white. That's outrageous, you know. And, and you know, to be fair, you know, my daughter is a princess in my eyes. She may never be an actual princess. But what about an astronaut? What about a racing car driver? What about a boardroom member? You know, what about running your own company? If it's not in the books, if it's nowhere that I can see it, why would I think that I could mm. get to that? Mm. Carolyn, it's very interesting the way you um, you you presented that because, conversely, you know, um, the fact that a child can not just see themselves, but they can see part of their heritage and their experiences being written in a book, tells them that it's worthwhile. Like my, I use I always use my daughters as examples because it's my it's I'm just seeing the lived experience and effect of what we're doing in their life. So my daughter's two favorite authors at the moment, or should I say three, but two are Atinuke and um, Serena Patel. So Serena Patel has written like, she's a, I think she's 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 from um, one of the Asian countries. I can't remember if it's Pakistan now, Um, but she wrote a series of books called Anisha, the Accidental Detective, right? 
Now, when my daughter reads that book, she doesn't see a black person, but she learns about Pakistani culture. She learns some words. She learns some traditions there that she even actually teaches her brother, you know, what they call brother, what they call sister. She reads Atinuke and I'm Nigerian and British, right? And she's been to Nigeria only twice in her life. But she reads it and she says, oh, yes, mommy, this is how we braid our hair. And mommy, this is this is how we this is why we do our hair every Saturday, the Saturday activity. You know, she can relate to a lot of things. And it makes her feel so proud that everybody else, whether black or white, who reads those books. They see what she is experiencing in in her own home, you know, so it's it is it's a bit like showcasing that culture and that lifestyle that not everybody else will be privy to. So if people only read books about English, English culture, Caucasian culture or Caucasian practices, then they'll never know what a Pakistani child thinks, what an African child thinks, um, what um, a child from the Caribbean or, you know, South America, every part of the world, what they think. We're gradually seeing that the world is a global village. Look at the, you know, your local community, look at your local city or town. You're more likely than not to see people from at least five or 10 different cultural heritage or backgrounds. You know, why would we decide to prevent our children the absolute um, value of learning more about other cultures um, by just restricting what they read? and what they can see so so there is that aspect to it whereby you can learn about other people's lives which is amazing and interesting and very educative you know so that's something that we are seeing a lot from the schools who've got the books that we we're sharing with them and also from my children I'm just seeing it every day and it's just it's mind-blowing it just there's nothing that thumps them and gives them more um, um, motivation to be positive about themselves um, than just seeing their stories and their lives reflected in books that just does bring me to just the thing about authenticity as well is that one of the things that we've seen um particularly this year since sort of january february is a a glut of uh brown i'm using this term brown children appearing in books um and in a lot of these cases we're seeing children that are clearly drawn as white characters but are being coloured in brown. And so these books are written by white authors and there's no... Capitalising on the hashtag. Yes, and there's no... There's there's a a lack of authenticity to these characters. You know, they're... Attempting to think about features, body shapes. And and then even, you know, culturally, there are things that are going on. You think, really, that just doesn't seem to fit within, you know... Uh, names, so you know, names of a vaguely changed to make them sound a little bit more uh, black, Definitely. you know, but they're not, yeah. they're, they're not quite right. Sometimes, you I mean, we've seen somewhere it's like, that's not how you spell that name. Like, what, yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? But just, yeah. and so for us, you know, so we, we get asked a lot, oh, why don't you stock this book? You know, because it's got a black character in it. And we're like, we don't do that. We're not stocking books for black characters because authenticity is so important to us as well. And, you know, one of the reasons that, you know, we would lean towards black authors is because what we want is we want people to get authentic ideas. We want authentic images and and, uh, understanding about black characters. So, And I love I love that because because. 
the other way isn't representation, no. is it? No. It's lazy. Yeah. It's putting a plaster over it. It's um, opportunistic. You're, you're, you're just jumping on the bandwagon yeah, totally. then. And it's actually dangerous because it's not true. You're just spreading more yes. and more yeah. fake news. Yes, yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Do you think the book industry recognizes the enormity of this problem? Do they care? <laughs> Silence. <laughs> no. There's some schools whereby they pick a book that helps them teach about teach children about um say for example um grammar or or writing. And even if that book is giving a very skewed view of black people. They're not too keen to change it because there is work in changing it, right? You have to review the book. You have to make sure it fits all your learning criteria and then, and then apply the book across, you know, that year group. But it's, it's, it's more work for them to go and find books that actually shows everything in the right context. Um, and and you'd be shocked the kind of books you see. I see sometimes. I've seen books that will compare, say, for example, um, life in Kenya to a hut in the in the countryside or in the village, to Buckingham Palace as a house in England. You know, and and that's just shocking. It is shocking to see things like that. And those books are still being used. Um, and and that's why one of the things I share with schools as well is like criteria to assess. It's, it's, it's very dangerous because it? it's, 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 um, it's not balanced at all. Um, and um, I, I sometimes give tips to some schools about how they can assess books as being um, yeah. suitable, as being contextualized, um, about how they can actually, okay, if they don't find it in the book, they need to go and research additional information that they can present to the children side by side so they have a balanced view. For example, you have to contextualize that hut and get a picture of a city in that same country and put it next to each other, you know? Otherwise, that child will constantly think everybody from Africa lives in a hut. Everyone who's black. Yeah, and show electricity, running cars. (laughs) You know? Yeah, Yeah, totally. Honestly, it actually makes my teeth itch. That's how angry it makes me because it's lazy And all these people who jumped on the bandwagon, who were shouting Black Lives Matter, who put on the black square, who updated their policies, 
who did all the right things in the time of the protest when it was hot, when we were all aware, what, what needed to happen is in their budget planning for the year, you make a stand then, make an effort, put some money into it, put some personnel onto it, put some resources actually onto it because they can't be bothered. They can't be bothered to make the new resources. They can't be bothered to put money onto it, can't be bothered to retrain, they just can't be bothered. But you said you were gonna do this. You said you were gonna do this to everybody out loud and pledged and you do your petitions, you did everything. And um, it really, really annoys me because you've, um, you're not doing what you said you were gonna do and we're just back in it again. So what was the point? What was the point of pretending? It, um, I think that when we, I think that when we ask the question, do they care? I think that we have to understand that, uh, that publishing is a business. And it's about money. Yeah. And yeah. so I, I look at it now the other way. It's not, it's not whether they care or not. It, what the point is and the, and the place that we would need to approach the publishing industry is, is reminding them that they're missing an opportunity. They're not seeing the opportunity because what they do, okay, is they, they get a book from a black author. So Nina writes a banger of a book. It's amazing. Penguins say, yes, we'd love to publish this book. But what Penguin then says, is they sit down and have a marketing meeting and they say, Nina's book is not going to sell much. So we won't put a lot of money into marketing it. And then they don't put a lot of money into marketing it. And, and it Nina's book sell doesn't much. sell much. And so then <laughs> they go, oh, yeah, we were right. And so yeah. when Grace writes her book, they'll say, ah, remember Nina's book? didn't sell much say so we need to show them you're missing an opportunity you're missing one you're missing the power of the black pound uh you're not understanding and and you, you know i can remember 20 years ago when marketers and big companies you know started talking about the pink pound and and you know what difference you know uh gay spending would makes to the economy and etc you know you're you're not understanding the power of the black pound you're not understanding where people will spend their money and you are missing you're missing an opportunity and that's i think it's much more about that than do they care because i don't think they care about any of it at all I really just, i just don't get it because time and time again marcus rashford's book in entertainment mm. um mm. black panther we Mm. We see there is mm. a black pound, there is a black mm. spend. We will spend money. Mm. We will spend mm. money on products that we invest in and believe in and relate to. Mm. I don't know from the most capitalistic point of view why you wouldn't go and invest. Mm. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Because you're still, we're still not seen as a people. And this is why, you know, last right. week we see a statement from the Olympic Committee saying there's no yeah. need for swimming caps for black yeah. people. Yeah. Yeah. It's not needed because yeah. you don't exist. You're yeah. invisible. So yeah. you're you're still invisible. And that's the key is like, hello, there's a black pound out there and you're not getting it. Do you mm. want it? Because I can, I'll show, and if anyone's listening from the publishing world and wants to call me, I can explain <laughs> to you how you can get the black pound. I'm available at fee uh, for consultation. Yeah, black pounds. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and so the rea reality is, is that actually, you know, a year later, you know, from, from, from the people that Grace is dealing with all the way through to the publishing, publishers that I'm dealing with, the big corporations that I deal with, it's, this is all being black led. Okay. The schools with the most books by black authors are the schools where black parents 
have said hello what's going on we have um we have a meeting uh we have a a big corporation that we supply books to like probably one of the biggest organizations in the country um they've just started contacting us we're not supplying them yet we're in the process talking to them um because somebody who works there's black yes and she said um i want a furry books on on the staff's christmas list so they yes. have you know twenty thousand whatever employers now yeah. employees it's all black led it's all black led and and then what happens is is that's great and we have to keep using our our action and our power and our positions and our platform the downside of that is that you know this organization will put us on their christmas list i've no doubt about that but how many of their staff will pick books by black authors as their christmas gift you know so they they kind of go into a shop and they can go oh I choose this as my Christmas gift. Totally. Um, it would take someone radical to right, do that. This right. is my so some will. to myself for all my kiddie parties that I go to. I'm there with the Shaka Zulu book as yeah. a gift present. Here you go, yes. three-year-old. Yeah, Absolutely. no, that is me. But it, it does take that level of commitment Absolutely. and be seen as that mother. And, yeah. you know, all yeah. those, all those. oh, Jimmy's got this book. Yeah. Um, it, it, it does take that. And, and that leads me on to... What 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 can we? If if that woman that that one brave person in that organisation has um, pushed for you to be on the suppliers list, what else can we be doing as community? I mean, do we do we just write off the fact? Should we still be pushing for our schools, our nurseries, trying to support our teachers, or do we just ignore all of that and come together as community? Should we just be focusing on what we can do at home? What what can we be doing as parents to help the cause? I think this is 100% a parent-led movement. Mm. Like, I've no doubt about it at all. Um, I think that... I think when my children were younger, um, you know, we had massive impact in the school. And the way... The reason we had massive impact in the school is because I ran, ran the Parent Teacher Association... Because I was like, I'm gonna control this thing. Yeah, this is this is gonna be my boat. Yeah, yeah, you're gonna run my way. You know, and the power a PTA has over a school is phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. Um, so you know, forget who's who's the head teacher, forget even who are the staff. Get in there, run the PTA, and be a, a governor. So it's vital uh, that we are absolutely. on the governing board at our nurseries and the governing board at our schools, absolutely. taking that time. I mean, you get you get allowances from your work. You you know you're you're not um your work should legally support you to do this. It can be what four hours a month, um, and it makes such a difference. Yeah, absolutely. And the reality is, is that you know these the the changes that we want to see are going to come because parents are asking all the questions. Absolutely. Okay. So, I mean, regularly on our Twitter feed, we put up a little Twitter that says, um, when did you last ask your teacher, your child's teacher, how they're decolonizing the curriculum? Awesome. Uh, Let me retweet that. Yeah. Uh, Asking your, asking, you know, so there's a list of ask ask the kid's teacher, when did you, uh, how are you decolonizing the curriculum? 
how many books with black characters are in this year's reading list? Simple question. Is you know, if the teacher you're you're not, it's not confrontational. It's just a question. Hi, I've got a black kid. Can you just let me know? Because you've set the reading list for the year. You know, how many uh, black authors are you bringing into school to talk to children this year? I'm how many black? All of these questions. Yeah. How many black books are in the library? That's one question. But Grace and I talk about this a lot and, and are moving towards another project that will kind of adjust this is how many of them are you using? Exactly. Because exactly. what we found is there are schools, they've got books from the 60s that were written by black authors and they have got a lot of dust on them. Mm. <laughs> you know, mm. they, they are they're supporting the wonky tables. Yeah. How are you utilising these books? What do you need as a teacher to help you utilise these books? You know, so, I mean, Grace's Charity and, and there are a couple of other places. Um, uh, the Black Curriculum is another organisation. You know, they will help you and show you how you can actually use this book in school. Because we books are great, but the life of a book is when you turn the pages. You've actually you know, got to make that step. You've, yeah. got to go, you've got to go beyond, you know. And what we found is that a common answer for teachers is, oh, but the, I don't know if this is relevant to the other children. Yes, yeah. I don't know if, I mean, that I find mind-boggling. That is mind-blowing, yeah. You don't know if this is relevant yeah. to the other children. You is my child... Is my child the question the way around? No. Is my child in the other children's class? Yeah. Then it's relevant. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. If for nothing else, my kid's there. Absolutely. It is relevant. Yeah. This is their reality. It's yes. relevant. Yes. Yeah. 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 And even if, even if you live, you know, in the Outer Hebrides, and there are no black children in your child's class, so they're only black in the village. Yeah. There are still, even if they're known, even if you're, you know, there there may be mums listen to this who are like, I'm white, I've got white children, there are no black children in my children's class, or even, I don't even think in my children's school. That's okay. Absolutely. It's still relevant. It's still relevant. Giving your children a realistic worldview is important, is vital. It's what you as a parent would consider holistic and real education. Mm-hmm. You know, we... we we don't teach our children uh, now. They did in, in 1950. But we don't teach our children now that every German is evil because mm. Nazis came from Germany. We would consider that to be completely skewed and awful education. But yet we teach our children that people in Africa, because we, we pretend that Africa is a country, not a exactly. continent. I just don't even get me started yeah, on that's that. A whole other yeah, we, we <laughs> teach our children that people in the country of Africa uh, live in huts. We show children pictures of Lagos and they say, oh, it's New York, it's mm, Dubai. Exactly. No, no, that'll be Lagos exactly. in Africa, the continent. Yeah. And they're, they're yeah. confused and puzzled. Mm. That's bad education. And, yeah. and as a teacher, why would you want to give your kids bad education? And as a parent, why would you want your kids to have bad education? Absolutely. I, I, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. I think it's, I think it is 
life changing. Mm -hmm. I think good parenting is how we change the world. And I think, you know, you're either raising um, a serial killer or a bomber. I think, you know, that's that's what it, you know, can boil down to with with great powering and, and navigation and good modeling. You know, it, it's how they interact with the world and how ultimately they're going to view themselves, how society views them. It, um, it does. It, it shapes everything. So for mums listening, what changes, what actions can we make today, Grace? What, what small changes? What, what, what can we do right now? Yeah. No, um, I'm Nina. You, you, I think for me, someone once came to me one day and, and was given a talk um, on a topic about the, the lack of um, the dwindling number of women in sporting activities especially football. Um, and she said the day it changed for her was the day she put, decided not to keep that lens just for work, but to put that lens on as she went about her daily activity. And that's what I'll tell every parent, every teacher, every person out there. When you're doing whatever you're doing, put on that lens and ask yourself certain questions. And you'll be shocked that you're actually giving yourself real life evidence and data to support more representation. Go into the bookshelf. When you go next, when you next you go to the library, when next you go to the books to the bookstore, just use your eyes and scan the children's section. How many children, proper children characters you see of other ethnicity or black people on those books. Ask yourself, when your child brings books back from school every day or every other week, Ask them, you know, don't you have one with other people in it? Um, other people, people who look differently from you in it. Next time you're having um, a, a fundraising event in school, how about going to a bookstore like Afrori Books or contacting the Open Minds and saying, can you recommend me 10 books for CARES 1 or CARES 2 or Reception or CARES 3 that I'd like to donate to my children's school? Give the school a voucher from a bookstore that you know is very diverse. You know, these are things that you would do on a day-to-day -day basis. Offer the teacher, if you're from a minoritized cult, um, culture group, offer the teacher, when next you're doing a book reading, I'd love to come and read a book in the class. When next we can do it? Oh, I can do it on Zoom, you know. Be present in those things that are happening around you and ask those questions. And you'd be shocked how just those questions can make a change. A friend of mine went into uh, an Asda store and didn't see... Um, dolls with a different color and she asked why are my daughters not represented on that shelf um and since then she's had that lens over every single thing when you're out shopping you're out playing you're watching tv you're reading books you're buying medicine anything you're doing have that lens on i think that's the best advice i'd give to everyone um because i'm i'm trying to follow that myself i love it i love it and carolyn for you what actions what changes can we make right now? I, I mean, for me, <clears throat> I think put your money where your mouth is. <laughs> I think that, um, you know, if you're a parent, ask, ask those questions in school. If you're not a parent, give. You know, Grace's charity is, is open to donations at all times. You know, it's a great charity. It's, it's doing amazing work. You know, give, give. We had a parent, like I said, who... Um, wanted all of the school leavers in her child's class to have Marcus Rashford's book. So she just bit the bullet and bought it. 
you know, she asked two other parents to come in with her and they bought 30 copies of the book. You know, we, we make a difference, you know, where we spend our pound is makes a massive difference. It really does, you know, and, and every time, you know, our, our greatest victories as a bookshop is when we have to write to our customers and say, we're really sorry, your book's going to be delayed. It's being reprinted. Oh, and and we honestly, should. like we send out this letter and, and it, we, we're always trying to like work on the template because it's such a triumph for us. And so we don't just say, hey, your book's being reprinted, it's going to be delayed. We say to our customers, we know this is inconvenient for you, but this is a massive triumph for this author. This author won't be... Uh, misrepresented again the next book this author buys they'll do a bigger run and that's a massive thing and so we have to we have to put our pound there you know to say that there there's a very well-known author called Dorothy Coombson she writes crime mystery books she's award-winning she's a bestseller she's been on New York Times you're all over the place okay she moved age she moved publishing houses and agents about five or six books ago and the new agent told her you know she's already won award she's already a bestseller the new agent the new publishing house said to her what the old publishing house what has been said to her like 20 years earlier which is you know we're not really sure you can have black characters in a book if you're not going to deal with black issues Hmm. what does that mean so she can't write crime books with black people as the main character unless which, you, which she's already, what, what, how many, 20, whatever big yeah. number she's into yeah. of her best-selling yeah. worldwide yeah. titles. Yeah. She's already proven you can do yeah. it yeah. time and time again. It's yeah. proven theory. Yeah. yeah. Now, if Dorothy Coombsons get having those conversations, oh, God. imagine yeah, imagine I, when I, I Nina writes imagine. her first book, you know? Yeah. This, is, this is what we're going to hear. It'll be like, I know, but, but are you dealing with black issues, you know? Mm-hmm. And it, it reminds me of... These stories I hear about, you know, in the 30s where black actors were told, could you act more black? Yeah. You know, that's exactly what's been said. The way we change this narrative is we put our money where our mouth is, is we say, actually, I'm going to buy this book and I'm going to go out of my way to buy a book by a black author. I'm going to give every single kid this year their birthday, Christmas present, whatever it is, I'm, I'm the one who's turning up with a book by a black author. You know, my, my nephews and nieces, a few years ago, one of my brothers contacted me and said, Carolyn, just to let you know, you have sent the boys the same book three years in a row. I'm like, oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great book. It's, it's great a great book. book. You know, why haven't you got it? It's like, well, now we've got one for each child. You know, but we, we, we were always those people. When it wasn't trendy, we were always those people. My oh, children yeah. turned up with you know, a book by a black author and that had a black kid in them, in it. And, and their friends, and I don't care what colour your friend is. I don't, yeah. it's just not relevant to me at all. If you're, I, I'm assuming that your child has not got a book by a black author on their shelves and therefore we're going to fix this. This is my gift to you on your third birthday. Absolutely. And that will continue from ev- to, for everybody I know. If you want, if you're going to get a gift from me, guess what it's going to be? And this is before, you know, like I said, long before we had a bookshop, this was our attitude. It's like, well, how do I, how do I really change your perspective and change your narrative? And this, this is what we do this. go forward. Yeah. 
is by being we, on the court and doing yeah, it and holding yourself accountable we and commit and we commit ourselves to this we we commit ourselves to saying i am taking the amazon app off of my phone not buying my stuff from amazon i'm going to look for black owned businesses i'm going to look for black authors i'm going to there is there's so much out there there is so much out there and unless we say we're committed to it we just mm. prove publishers right yeah because That's it. they'll just argue well we were right you won't buy it it doesn't mm. exist you know the, the the arguments you know about making the black panther movie when you start to read the behind the scenes stuff about that you know it will it will never work the argument was continually it will never work people won't stomach it and they're right some people didn't stomach it but plenty did <laughs> You know, totally. and we're on Black Panther two right now. Exactly, exactly. And you know, one day we'll have a Black James Bond, but that's a whole other conversation. That's another podcast, but we're getting there. <laughs> and I would love to talk through cast, Dreamcast, with you. Oh day. yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what's next for you both? What's next? What's coming up? Uh, so Grace and I are working on a new project. Um, I'm going to give all the details away on this one, Grace, because I don't think we're going secret on it. Um, we, you know, Grace and I um, have worked together on and off since Grace's charity started. Um, and one of the things, like I said before, that we found was that the books were in the shop in the schools, but but teachers teachers are often afraid. Um, there is a palpable fear of using these books, and so Grace and I just decided that we were going to grab the ball by the horns. Um, and so we're working together on a project that will basically give teachers the resources to teach the training. And um, we're going to run a number of teacher evenings where we will basically demonstrate and show teachers how to use these books as readers um, and just incorporate them into the classroom. And also just working towards creating better resources to support these books. Um, right. so I think no, some teachers them any space no. there's no inch no you've got no excuse now absolutely and I think we we do want to recognize that you know teachers in this country are underpaid and and understaffed and just taken advantage of all over the place and so some of the issues that they face is are, are time-based and you know if I have to choose between of mice and men or noughts and crosses you know well there's loads of resources for of mice and men so let's just do that because I can pull it off the shelf. I get it. Um, I get it. So let's let's try and make these resources sh on the shelf. Let's put them on the shelf for, for teachers. So we're working on these parent evenings and working towards um, just getting more teachers involved and finding out specifically what they need. Because, you know, anybody can go, hey, I've created some resources. And then teachers go, yeah, that's not what I needed. So we want to be... We want to, we, you know, we want to support them and be seen to be supporting them. Not, we, we don't want to do lip service. Neither of us are, are those kind of women. So we, yeah, so I think that's for going forward for that. For us at Afori Books, we are about in the next six weeks, I think, um, going to start doing some crowdfunding because we have been put in an amazing situation that a, Brighton-based charity has given us premises um, because they really want there to be a black bookshop in Brighton. Um, there isn't one in, in the whole of the county, in fact. 
but we need to do some crowdfunding to uh, do the shop fit on that. But we have got a premises rent free for at least a year. Um, and so we're, we're really excited about that. And we're also really terrified. Me mostly. I am terrified. Let me say, I am petrified. Oh, uh, need to, is good. It's yeah, good. I hope so. Care. So we need to raise £10,000 um, to do shop fitting and, and get ready to go. Easy peasy. And, yeah, thanks. So, yeah, any big benefactors out there, uh, yeah, please feel free to email me, carolynbain at afourybooks.com. <laughs> Done, 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 done. But yeah, so that's exciting going forward. Amazing, amazing. It has been so lovely to hear everything you both are up to. Yeah, um, Caroline, I was going to say really quickly that, um, by the way, Of Mice and Men is beginning to be taken off curriculum and, cur- and teachers are, are not using it. Most Some schools in Brighton, I know, are not using it anymore. Yes! So just so you know, um, and I think it's a very good positive call. One thing that Carolyn didn't mention is that some very fantastic teachers of colour are already um, um, drafting lots of plans and revisions, things to, to be able to introduce into local curriculum, that are, you know, local teaching plans in schools. And, and we want that knowledge um, to be shared um, and to create a platform where um, their white, com- you know, counterparts can feel confident to stand in front of a class and use these materials. And and actually, I'd love if a black or white teacher is approached, irrespective of whatever this, the, you know, whatever color they are, when a child can feel confident to to share with them whatever experience they're having, especially if it is one of racial discrimination. Um, so, so yeah, absolutely, we're looking forward to doing that. Um, and we, you know, we, we we've already started putting that together. Um, for the Open Minds Project, I think our our focus this um this has this year has been to be able to um focus on writing resources. We keep doing that, and we want to be able to finish this um this campaign to give every school in Brighton and Hove a box of books. Um, so once we finish that campaign, we'll be able to um, do lots more events um, because we want to be able to support teachers, support schools and support parents on, on this mission. Love it. Love it. Sounds like bliss to me. I just, yeah, it, it's been um, it's been good soul food, a soul feast having this conversation. I, I, I feel very inspired that we're going to do, well, you both are doing some good work and um Anybody listening to this podcast hopefully will be inspired to keep on fighting the good fight. Uh, please have a look at the Dirt Black Moms website. We have a list of titles celebrating black culture for all ages. And thank you so much for sharing with us today. Dope Black Moms. If you'd like to join the Dope Black Moms private Facebook group, please search Dope Black Moms on Facebook. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. Please follow on all socials at Dope Black Mums. Thanks so much for listening. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.